Welcome back to another Aaron and JM special. Uh, we're waiting to hear back from Cody. So Cody had the weirdest, um, well, it's not an excuse. What would you call it? Um, like weirdest reason why, yeah, weirdest reason why he would not be able to make it tonight. So we texted him in the group chat and just, hey, is everybody still up? And Cody says he's 50-50 because his wife has to buy a bra. That's the part where what didn't make sense to me. I'm like, okay, I don't, no problem. It, I'm very lucky because I, I'm not going to say I'm very lucky. I'm not going to stereotype anybody. Um, it's like Caitlin and I are not shoppers, I guess. I can spend some time looking. Like if I if you get me into a bookstore or a comic book store or a record store or something like that, I become a shopper because those are things I'm passionate about. But like when it comes to clothes, we don't really shop. So I don't, I haven't dated somebody who is like a shopper for quite a while. So maybe I don't understand. Maybe it takes forever to try on bras and pick out a bra that you like. You got me. I, I, I have no frame of reference for it. Um, seems like it'd be pretty straightforward, but, uh, what do I know? I'm just a man. Well, you know, you say that, but at 36 years old, I recently learned that I don't wear the same size jeans I've been wearing for the past 15, 20 years. Um, and I know that because I just had to go up a size in my uniform pants. <laughs> like, I mean, we're talking, yeah, like it's not, and it's weird because, you know, I don't know if any of our listeners have this issue, but if you were, if you work somewhere that has like a, just generally a uniform, they kind of, and Hey, these are the ones that you have to buy. They make them in like four sizes, right? They make them in small, which covers like a two to three inch waist. You know, the mediums do the same thing. They cover like a range of waist. So when I first joined, it was perfect because I was like right at the upper limit of of the one size, and so they fit really well. Like, I might have to still wear a belt, but if I forgot a belt, I'd be fine. Um, now, that's, so the small regulars are too, like, way too tight. They're just, by the end of the day, I'm bloated, and, like, they're, it's it's a weird feeling. So I'd move up to a medium regular, and I am swimming in these things. Because <laughs> they make them for, you know, they make them for the largest size. It ranges from 29.5 to a 32.5. And so they are 32 and a half inch waist and I am swimming in these things. Ugh. Yeah. It's always going to humble in to realize you can't fight the fight anymore and you got to go up that size. Yeah. Not really not happy about it. Um, meanwhile, I didn't have to go up a jacket size. So <laughs> what does that say? <laughs> Am I just eating too much? Uh, too many leg days it's the waist that's the problem it's like my tummy <laughs> yeah yeah oh man I gotcha how's your week been uh dude it's uh it's been one it's thursday night when we record this i it's felt like thursday night the entire week so no it's just been busy um there's this weird family thing that's going on um as soon as i <laughs> process it i'll put it i'll talk to you guys about <laughs> it on here maybe i think it'd be kind of funny uh wonks no we'll just leave that one out it's okay no it's been 
um it's just been busy just been busy um when we when we last talked it was kind of like a a sun up till sundown kind of a, a sprint thing so i think i'm burning out it's time to take some time off all right so yeah not bad when's your next what about you well you got your uh well you're two days away from your first race right that's right. I got a See, bitch and workout with him last night. See, I'm a friend. Uh, I remember stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Got my first race on Saturday. Um, just expecting to get pummeled, but I'm excited. It should be fun. I'm not getting myself hyped up, but I'm sure the day of or tomorrow night, I'll start to get that anxiety, the pre-race anxiety, you know? Yeah. Hmm. Other than that, not a whole lot going on. Uh, the Obi-Wan Kenobi trailer came out. Is that a movie that or looks, is that a show? It's a limited series. It, it's the it's a Disney it's a, show. It's a Disney Plus thing. It, it's like the the Mandalorian and then the one I didn't watch, the Boba Fett one. Yeah, basically. Okay. Like they're bridging the gap between between years. Um, should be fun. I just but that comes out in May. I realize that I don't. Um, I guess I never paid enough attention because I watched all the movies, but I think I just watched them to watch them. I didn't like really pay heavy attention to it because I don't like, I still don't understand some of the key players and I don't, some of the like Senator Palpatine, like I, I know he's a bad guy, but I don't exactly understand what his role is. <laughs> Um, so a lot of this, a lot of the, uh, lore and stuff like that, I enjoyed the Mandalorian cause I thought it was a great, like little spinoff, you know? Um, but a lot of that lore and a lot of the canon I miss out on. It's, uh, you know, I read a bunch of books when I was a kid, so they're kind of picking up like picking cues from the MCU and pulling that over here. That's good. So you can see a lot more of that. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, like it's it's great fan service. Some of the some of the weirder stuff, I can't really bless off on. And there's this, and to to avoid nebulous, there's this creative choice that they took in Boba Fett where they had this like a uh, street biker gang, and they looked like they were riding like fluorescent Vespas, but it all takes place on Tatooine. And you're like, what the fuck, man? Like. Tatooine is a hard bitchin' place, and you're riding this chromed-out, bright pink, you know, see-your-face-reflective Vespa and flying it around your street gang. It was weird. It didn't make sense for the thing, and for the show, and I guess it's supposed to cater to audiences, which is the worst thing that Disney could ever do. But, it, I mean, like, it, it what? gets I money, mean, so maybe that's what it is. Why is that such a... Why is that such a bad thing, though? Like, to cater to it. To all audiences? Yeah. It's not a bad thing. I just think that movies and TV could be better if we avoided, like, the easy easy way out. Oh, um, you're saying, like, leave some people dissatisfied and just, like, actually tell the story? Yeah, and I'll, I'll, I'll provide you an example. When I watch Braveheart, when I watch Gladiator... They're both 
great movies, um, the hero tragically dies, and I always used to say, well, why does that have to happen? It makes me sad. The endings of both of those movies are really great, and they're very, um, I think, kind of a testament to human spirit, which is kind of the same reason I love watching sports movies. The point I make, though, is sometimes it's okay to make characters tragic or to take plot lines and not really explain them. You don't have to over-explain it. It's like the ending of The Departed when Marky Mark kills uh, (laughs) Matt Damon, right? And you're like, there's no explanation. He just fucking kills him. You're like, I get no closure from watching The Departed, you know? (laughs) I get more closure from going to a funeral. So it's it's one of those things where, you know, I don't know if it's such a. It's sometimes I think they get too safe with it. You said you liked uh, sports movies. Uh, Do you ever watch Mystery Alaska? No, I missed that one. What's All that? right, so it's about the town of Mystery in Alaska, that is famous for their like Friday night hockey game, uh, Friday night, Saturday night, whatever the case might be, or maybe Saturday day. Um. And it's it tells the story of um, two is it two basically like if you belong in the team the big deal is to play um, play the game right and so you get staged on one of the two teams um, you know I don't know that there's an A team or a B team it's just pretty much you get like staged on one of the two teams and. Uh, one of the guys is from the town, like makes it out, um, ends up in New York and somehow gets affiliated with the Islanders or the Rangers. One of the two, he gets affiliated with either the New York Islanders or the new, uh, the New York Rangers. Um, and then like they basically NHL stages a game against mystery Alaska team because they go you know it's a different game than what these guys are playing these guys these professionals are playing in a controlled environment on manicured ice you know inside um he goes we're outside playing in you know on unmanicured ice with all this crap on it outside in alaska it's really good um and then of course you know it comes down to the the final seconds and you take the shot and, you know, you're down by one, and this is to send it to overtime, and the, they end up losing. Uh, you know, and you're kind of like, oh, wait, you're supposed to win. But that's always, that for some reason, that movie always sticks in my head because the good guys don't win. Like, they just, they lose. And then that's the end of it. And they end up taking back, like, you know, there is a feel-good portion because they take one of the townsfolks back with them, um, and he becomes a professional hockey player but mm-hmm. yeah stuff like that yeah huh. um and then what are you drinking tonight uh, uh, i have i'm sorry to no, interrupt good. you you can finish that thread if you want I'm, oh i was just when you were talking about uh talking about the fan service portion of it um mm-hmm. the first movie that popped in my head was Dreamcatcher. uh did you ever read jim Crutcher? i wish cody was here for this one did you ever read Dreamcatcher? stephen king which one was that Stephen King's Dreamcatcher about the aliens. 
No, missed that one. Okay, really good. It's set in uh, like it's always set in the in the northeast. It's all, and there's a writer involved, and it's on a lake, and it's in the woods. Yeah. So and it's during snow time. It's during a giant snowstorm, and basically, um, like this parasite kind of thing takes over one of the cab. It it's really good. It's really good. Um, and for the most part, the movie is extremely accurate to the book all the way to the final scene where for some reason they just Hollywood it and it's just it's Blackhawks and bombs and explosions and Independence Day-esque when the book is not like that at all <laughs> and, and I and like that when you said fan service I went oh Dreamcatcher like yeah Hollywood ending not the way the book was done well, I mean, like, who's going to hate on Jeff Goldblum and uh, Will Smith flying an alien spacecraft and launching a nuclear missile? Yeah, but, the, like, that's not based on it. But So that's what I kind of was thinking when you said fan service was, um, like, hey, the book did it this way, but that doesn't really work for TV and movie because people aren't going to be feel-good and happy at the end, so we'll just adapt it to make it this. That's kind of where my mind went when you said the feel-good or the right. fan service portion of it. Oh, um, I just thought of something. So you you asked me about my week, and I was kind of cagey about. I'll tell you this. Um, fuck this week. The car is still having issues with the electrical <laughs> system. Uh, come to find out, somebody did not reinstall the motor to the rear window and the back hatch, and then the electrical connector on the trail tow hit or the the tow hitch was all fucked up and telling the computer to stay on even though the computer was supposed to be turned off when the car is off and there's all this corrosion on all the goddamn grounds it just keeps turning into this stuff uh one of the steps that i took to mitigate the cost of fixing the electrical system is i sold the guitar amp yesterday <clears throat> so you know i'm it's Man, I'm not gonna hold any shit back. It's been <laughs> it's been a shit week. The car's still having issues. I'm selling off my old band shit, and uh, you know, getting older and fatter at the same time. <laughs> yeah, that's. I feel sorry no, for you. I, uh, no, it's nothing to feel sorry of. Uh, it's what I said earlier was that it's starting to feel kind of like a death by a thousand cuts. The it's just been been busy. Uh, the funeral was was good, and there was some fun stories from that. But man, kind of a long couple of weeks anyway. Cody said that Brittany just got home from shopping for a bra, <laughs> so it's eight ten or whatever it is in Texas, eight thirty. Well, he's, <laughs> he's he's got the kids. Yeah, and uh, oh you know, goodness, got to plan accordingly. Ah. Uh. Uh, to answer your question from a second ago, I have two yinglings left from Christmas that I'm drinking. It's really just not much of a boozer these days anymore, huh? I just don't have the room. Any for craft beer? I don't have it. I don't have the room for it. Fair. Like I just don't. These have been sitting in a cabinet because there's I don't have room in the fridge for anything. So I pulled them out at five o'clock today, threw them in the fridge, and went, "Well, I hope they're cold by the time we record." Like that kind of thing. <laughs> I just don't have room for When are you anything. guys going to have the house done anyway? Man, don't get me started. Uh, okay, sorry, sensitive question. They put HVAC in. Lightning round. They put HVAC in yesterday. Well, they started to put the HVAC in yesterday. Uh, 
all they have right now is holes in the floor where the vents go. Um, final inspection is on Monday. My father is coming out on the following Sunday, the 20th. Um, he's go- him and I are going to oh, excuse me, tile the shower. So we're going to build the shower. We're going to put down the base and do all the tile for everything. Um, they said it's the cabinets got ordered like Monday or Tuesday, and it's two and a half weeks from then for the cabinets to come in. Um, they don't. They start putting insulation and drywall in next Tuesday. Maybe the second week of April. Like I feel bad because I'm going to be in Louisiana and she's going to have to get the house all set up. Like, or she's just going to have to live on the couch or whatever until I get back and I can help. I'm paying $200 a month for a pod plus my storage unit. There's another 300 so that's like 300 total. Yeah, you got to start busting some chops on those contractors, huh? <laughs> It'd just be nice if they show up. They're charging us $75 a week for a porta potty sitting out there, um, and they're not even showing up f- for weeks at a time to use it. Yeah, I'm not real happy with this contract. He came really highly recommended, and the work he's doing looks really good. I will say that like all the work he's doing, it is it looks really good. It is very well done, but I'm just not happy with the output of it, if that makes sense. Yeah, I've, I've heard that a couple times from friends of mine that are getting renovations done on a on a house. Um. When I understand it, because it's like, you know, he's probably got multiple projects going at once. He's using the same crews for multiple projects because he's, he's got it. He's got it. I'm sure he's got it all slotted out where he's like, okay, there's going to be a two-week downtime at, you know, in Southern Pines on this place because we're going to be waiting for windows. So I know I can work a week here at this place. And he's got all that overlap figured out between when there's going to be a gap of stuff arriving. It, but it just, it's frustrating because I'm paying for it those weeks or she's paying for those weeks right now whatever what are you sipping on you just got a glass of whiskey don't you i had a glass of whiskey uh i moved on to a porter from structures brewing which is up in bellingham really just a few miles from the canadian border not allowed to go once upon a time i was wet and reckless Hmm. that sr22 was very expensive yeah i got one of these um porters from structures brewing um over the summer, I went up to Bellingham with my girlfriend. We were doing some camping up there, uh, tripping mushrooms like like old Cody Whittington. Nice. <laughs> um, one of the things that we did before the mushrooms uh, kicked in, many, many, many hours before we even took them, is we swung by Structures Brewing, comes highly recommended, um, all-around banger of a brewery like they land their ales very well um their pilsners and lagers are excellent and they they span the range of euro traditional to like new american okay which is which is kind of like the perfect place for me to be because i enjoy you know uh, a pilsner or a lager but then all of your new american bullshit is kind of fun um, with the exception of, and there's this weird beer trend going on right now, and they call them like smoothie beers. 
and I love them. The ones that have lactose in them. Yeah, love not em. crazy about them. Love they're em. they're really um, they're trendy right now around here. They're ice cream paint they're everywhere. Ice cream paint job. One of my favorite beers right now. Dude, you need to get out here then. I mean, like if you're into that, like so, we're the epicenter for some trend so beer. I've really been branching out. Uh, let me let me pull up my Untapped recently. But the last couple Untapped I had, uh, or last couple beers I had on Untapped were one not loggers, um, because I decided that I was being childish by only like, hey, this is the only thing I'm gonna drink, and I don't know. I guess it's not childish. I know what I like. Um, you know, the way I like to put it is, am I going to enjoy drinking these all day? Yeah. Um, that's kind of my measure. This Porter's good. So I don't think I'm going to have another one. So, so I'm glad I only got one. Uh, I had this really, really, really good, um, oh, I guess that one was lager. So, Yeah. Uh, ice cream paint job was the the one that I loved was the raspberries, chocolate, and vanilla. It's a sour. It's one of the smoothie ones that have lactose in it. Um, I had a Kolsch, which uh, Salty Turtle Beer Company. That was incredible. And then uh, Edmonds Oast Brewing Company. I had this brown ale that was out of this world. Just incredible out of this world. Uh, I was really happy with that. So like I, the brown ales and blondes, I've been trying to get into. Uh, there's a I highly recommend um, Railhouse Brewing's K Bar Brown. I had that brown ale before it was named K Bar Brown, um, and it was like in this old industrial building in Aberdeen, mm-hmm. North Carolina. Uh, well, uh, so Aberdeen's Aberdeen's. Out your front doorstep or something, right? Uh, it's five miles down the road, six miles down the road. I don't know. It's where I get my groceries every day. Yeah, if you have time to swing by Railhouse Brewery, yeah, no, I've been, I've, a beer. I've been there. I've been there several, several, several times because it's right next to our kind of like the start of the North Carolina militia. It's like the meeting ground for it, right? Uh, yeah, it's a lot of um, it's a lot of ODA guys, a lot of ODD guys, um. I guess technically they're not ODD, but it's a lot of the it's a lot of the um, Delta guys. It's a lot of ODA guys. Um, a lot of JSOC guys hang out there. Uh, but no, uh, no, I, mean, I know, I know exactly where Railhouse is because it's right across the way from. Um, it wasn't there when you when you were living there, but um, this awesome brunch place that we go to. I think you've mentioned it a couple times. I can't fucking think of the name of it. Hmm. Yeah, it's all to say it's been a really slow, shitty week. Um, I'll tell you, the podcast is one of the very fun things that I like to do. Um, right there towards the end of it, which is really fun. So I, I always appreciate cutting out some time to this, to do this. With that said, I haven't been really keeping up with the news. Um, there's the endurance that got discovered. So, and yeah, I was we think- can nerd out about that. I, I was thinking it was gonna be like a good news week. Um, so. The yeah, Ernest Shackleton's endurance gets discovered yesterday. Is that when I sent it out? I think I discovered yesterday. Uh, which so March ninth, yeah. And then double good news because on the way home today, about five no, about four o'clock, 
4.15 Eastern, so 1.15 Western or Pacific, uh, baseball walkout's over. We're going to have a baseball season, all 162 games, too. Okay, so we can count on uh, opening day. Opening day is the... So I got it from the Atlantic. The Atlantic was actually the first one to break it. Um, it was April 7th, I think, is going to be opening day. Uh, let me see, let me see, let me see. Yeah, April 7th. Yeah, I saw that update as well, so I'm excited that baseball's coming back. Spring training starts tomorrow. That was my next question. Good. Spring training camp opens with the March 11 voluntary report day and March 13 mandatory. Spring training starts on St. Patty's Day. Free agency begins as soon as the CBA is ratified, the collective bargaining agreement. I'm sorry. Playoffs expand to 12 teams beginning this season. So six from, it's going to be six from each league, which means the top two of each division are selected for a playoff berth. So that's going to be kind of cool. Um, the universal designated hitter now. Uh, and then that's really... Okay, so that that is just related to uh, uh, the American League. Nope. So everybody gets a designated hitter now. Uh, two, two, two additional playoff teams. Uh, do, do, do. And then, of course, like the owners. So this is part of the – I guess this is worth talking about news-wise. How much do you know about the lockouts and, like, the collective bargaining agreement and stuff like that? Zero. Okay. How much do you know about – um? Like the way teams and players make money. Uh, presumably, they get bonuses, salaries. Um, I don't know for performance. I, I imagine it's a performance bonus. Yeah. So like a, a Super Bowl thing. Some of the big, some of the big like hot ticket items with stuff like revenue sharing. Um. And revenue sharing is basically, um, yeah, I know I'm going to freeze a little bit, so bear with me. Revenue sharing is, um, so each team pools 48% of the revenue they earn, and the total amount is split evenly and given to each team. So every team takes all the money they've earned, they say they multiply it by 0.48 and they throw it into a pot right so you know your big teams um your yankees your red Sox, um right now your astros your dodgers uh who braves probably but you know like those those perennial perennially major teams even the mets um those guys that just draw huge clouds crowds um they bring in the big stuff, whereas um, the Athletics, the Rangers, well, the Rangers got a new stadium, so they've been doing pretty well, but the Athletics, the White Sox, the Mariners, um, the Marlins, stuff like that, they bring in lower numbers. So um, 
48%, let's just make it an even number. So say that they bring in a billion dollars in revenue, then um, the Yankees would throw in $480 million, right? And let's say the Marlins only bring in $100 million in revenue, so they're throwing in $48 million. Well, $480 million from the Yankees plus the Marlins, $48 million is $528 million. And then if it was only those two teams in the league, they would split it right down the middle. And then the players on the Marlins would get $214 million, and the players on the Yankees would get $214 million, and that would be distributed throughout the clubhouse evenly. So that's what the revenue sharing is. is and it helps because the, the teams in the markets that aren't doing well, um, you know, the athletics, the, the Mariners, the Rangers, all your perennial, <laughs> the teams that just tend to lose a lot, uh, that you never hear about uh, the Royals, the the Orioles, um, shit like that, the Pirates. Um, that's the revenue sharing is that's what that is. Um, teams teams receive more than one hundred and ten million dollars through revenue sharing. Yeah. So that's so that's what they want. That was part of the big like. That's part of the big issue. And uh, during the 2020 season, when that got hemmed up, when, you know, when profits go down because it's 2020 and it's COVID, um, that's what the players are really big on was like revenue sharing. Um, hey, we're not getting, you know, there may not be a season. We still got to get paid. Da, 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 da. So revenue sharing has been at the heart of this for quite a while. Um, and it goes, it comes down to greedy owners. Um, they're treating, you know, owners are, are treating it like a business, um, which I guess they should be, right? But you know, they're they're treating it. I don't know how to explain it. Let me ask you a question: What do you think makes teams like the the Sox, the Yankees, St. Louis? Oh, so yeah, successful. the Cardinals. Like, what makes these teams so successful? Well, a lot of that's legacy, right? So you have you have uh, the Yankees. So it's only legacy teams that are allowed to have no, no, top no. echelon players or no. top echelon budgets? No, what I'm saying is a lot of that is the legacy of those teams. Um, the So, I mean, you have teams like... So you have teams like the Yankees, right? Um Let's, I'm just going through the original right here, right? No, I want the original. Dodgers are another one of those legacy teams, too. I Dodgers guess. are a legacy team. Uh, Pittsburgh's a legacy team. Um, I'm lo what about the, the Royals? But the Royals aren't winners. Yeah, that's why I'm, I'm looking for the original Major League Baseball teams. Uh, so the original eight. Cincinnati. So uh, original eight would have been the Boston Red Stockings, which are now the Braves. The Chicago White Stockings, which are now the Cubs. The Red Stockings, which are now the the Cincinnati Red Stockings, which are now the Cincinnati Reds. The no, they got a new name now. Cincinnati, like All-Americans or something like that. What? Yeah, they got a new name, I thought. 
the Cleveland Indians are now the Cleveland. That's who I was thinking of. Excuse and me. they got sued over their name. I forget who they the were. The new one? Yeah, because there was a roller uh, roller derby league that had the same league. Uh, Cincinnati Guardians. Yeah, they got hemmed up over that one. Uh, the Hartford Dark Blues, the Louisville Grays, Mutual of New York, Phila- uh, Philadelphia Athletics, which are the Oakland Athletics, and the um, St. Louis Brown Stockings. But, all right, let's, so, here we go. Let's just go 10 oldest baseball teams in America because that'll, that'll actually bring it back to what we need. So, the Minnesota Twins... They were the Washington Senators, and so the Washington Senators became the Texas Rangers, became, uh, but anyways, this is all goes to say that uh, the Oakland Athletics previously were the Philadelphia Athletics, previously the Kansas City Athletics, uh, the Los Angeles Dodgers were previously the Brooklyn Atlantics, the Brooklyn Grays, the Brooklyn Bridegrooms, Brooklyn Grooms, Super Boss, Trolley Dodgers, Robins, Brooklyn Dodgers. Uh, Phillies were originally the Philadelphia Quakers. Uh, the San Francisco Giants were originally the Gotham's or the New York Gotham's and the New York Giants. Uh, the Reds were originally the Red Stockings and the Red Legs. The Pirates were originally the uh, Alleghenies and the Pittsburgh Pirates, which they are now. The Cards were originally the St. Louis Brown Stockings, the Browns, and the Perfectos. Cubs were the White Stockings, Colts, Orphans, all of Chicago, and the Braves were the Boston Red Stockings, Red Caps, Bean Eaters, Doves, Rustlers, Boston Braves. So Boston Braves would have been who, um, who Hank Aaron played for. Hank Aaron would have played for the Boston Braves, Boston Bees, and then Milwaukee Braves. Also, your deep baseball knowledge is amazing, and. I don't know many people that would appreciate it. Unfortunately, I'm somebody that doesn't know any of this stuff. It's like well, I it's mean, me do, talking. I'm re- I'm reading off a website, right? But like, I just know that Hank Aaron played for. Well, Aaron. that's that's yeah. Um, Hank Aaron. Oh, I'm sorry. Don't no, know I, him. What? What? That's I mean, that's exactly what I'm saying. Like, I don't know who Hank Aaron is. I started oh watching baseball the year before I met you. Oh my god. Um, well, that's Did just... Did you not know that? Yeah, but, I mean... For, so, so, just so the audience knows, slam, I started watching slam baseball... And Air, slam and Hank. The week after I got uh, sued for divorce, and, uh, like, or a buddy of mine Hank. brought me to the bar. We had, like, a beer and a shot and some food, and we're sitting there watching baseball, and, you know, he talked to me a little bit about the divorce stuff, which is heavy on its own, and then he kind of... he. Um, he pivoted the conversation into talking about baseball, um, which I I do have an appreciation for. Um, I don't know. I love baseball, man. Oh my it's god! Good. It just hurts that you don't know who Hammer and Hank Aaron is. Um, oh I know god. who Mark McGuire is, and we all know what happened. In to fact, him. he died the day after my birthday last year too. Um, I have a baseball. McGuire's gone, huh? No, 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 no. no. Uh, Hank Aaron. Um, oh, okay. I mean, you're talking, this guy was a legend. Uh, he was 86 years old, but he was a legend. Um, anywho, point being, uh, to back to your original question, legacy teams. It's all about these legacy teams. And that's why, that's why they get the money, right? Because you have, 
you have teams like the New York Yankees that had Murderers Row. You've got Ty Cobb. You've got um, uh, Babe Ruth. You have Lou Gehrig. You have, uh, God, who the fuck else was Murderers Row? That's gonna, I'm going to, uh, Earl Combs, Matt Koenig, Babe Ruth, Lou Gehrig, Bob Musil, and Tony Lazary. Um, but this, like, this is the team, these are the teams that were around during the wars. Um, so when, when America is destitute because there were post-World War or post the Great War and we are pre-World War II in the middle of the Depression, um, these are the teams that are bringing people out of this. This is what we have to look forward to is is the Boston Red Sox and the New York Yankees um, playing their thing or the Brooklyn Dodgers or the, the New York Giants. You know, so you... I think that's why you get a lot of it. And then that's where the old money comes in, you know? Um, and a lot of it is they have owners who simply are rich enough that they can afford to pay for that. It's really what it is. Talent costs, man. Yeah. Elite talent costs. I mean, I'm sure you see that in, I don't know. I guess, do you really, I get, you probably never, you don't, uh, sorry, you don't seem to me like the kind of guy who like really followed sports or anything like that, where you could name off something else that, yeah. I don't know. Is it like that? And is that like that in cycling where there's just teams that just have that cash flow behind them? Like, do you know enough about professional cycling? No, I'm just learning about it. And, and cycling is a disgusting sport when you start to peel back layers. Um, the whole doping thing, I haven't gotten there to go down the rabbit hole, but you know, I'll report back to you when I do. There's uh, there's uh, a close friend of mine who's made the statement that Lance Armstrong was the best cyclist that ever existed or, uh, or something to that effect. Well, he was aerodynamic. Aside. He was aerodynamic because he had one less nut. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, he's aerodynamic with one less nut. His ability to to pedal was amazing. Uh, like just imagine somebody that could run up like a six or seven percent gradient hill and never lose momentum, and that's Lance Armstrong. I, I mean, we went nuts. I remember watching. His, how many did he win? He won seven Tour de France's in a row. Is that right? Um, I. Th- think that's right isn't it i think he won seven in a row that sounds right um but he's he's living in austin right so like we are going nuts every like everybody everybody um is going nuts his entire time um i don't where does last year we were going nuts because this guy um who i just found out about last year's name is Mark Cavendish. Oh, is this he was is this the triathlete? This is last tour de France. Oh no, no no I'm thinking of I was thinking the um I'm sorry. I was thinking the uh the guy we were talking about that did the triathlon. Oh oh Nick Nickich. Chris Nickich. Yeah Nickich. 
you saw you got a girlfriend, right? I did. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. Chris Nickich, my man. Uh for our audience, uh, Chris Nickich, um you'll have to remind me, uh autism or just some kind of developmental um uh I thought he had Down syndrome. Down syndrome and then he went completed yep. a he became the first person Iron Man. He became the first person with Down syndrome to finish an Iron Man triathlon. Yeah, that dude's Oh he's a shit. Monster. He won the Jimmy V award um at the ESPYs last year. Fuck, dude, he's only twenty three years old. He's a monster, dude. He's he's awesome. Yeah. Uh, sorry, the guy you were talking about, uh, uh, Cavendish, Cavendish, Mark Cavendish. Yeah, yeah. We we watched a lot of Mark Cavendish last year, and he was just crushing people left and right. And there was there was nothing you could do. You know, the the cyclists that were out on the road, Cavendish would just attack you, and it, you know, like the slingshot engaged from Talladega Nights was <laughs> absolutely. The move that they were taking on each other. This guy was like drafting, come out of a big draft in a de, in a on a hill descent. So he's coming down. He's going faster because there's no resistance, and then shooting past everybody and gaining like eight to twelve hundred feet lead on them in the final seconds of these races. It was amazing to watch. His whole team was like that. I don't see that kind of. Um, elite status that you're talking about kind of like you know the Patriots or the Yankees St. Louis all of these sports organizations hold this control or agency over the way the the sporting world works Uh, oh my goodness Um, I don't know what it looks like for women's sports but Ohio State University um, Alabama for football Places like that. Well, so this is there's a big difference between that though, because when you bring up like Alabama Collegiate. Collegiate, when you bring up the NCAA, right? So it wasn't up until a couple of years ago that um agents could even like it's always happened, right? You had shit with like Ricky Williams in the nineties, uh, with Texas. Who gets hemmed up um with or accused of, or there's always somebody who's, there is some NFL team that's paying for the car, right? Or paying for the clothes, something like that. Um, But when you talk like, you know, uh, for college football, it's going to be Alabama. It's going to be Georgia. Um, It's going to be these Notre Dame, Michigan, Ohio State, the big ones. Uh, College basketball for the women, it's it's always going to be UConn. For the men, it's going to be North Carolina, Duke, Villanova, Tennessee, stuff like Michigan again. Um, you know, you've got the hockey teams, you've got the baseballs. You're for baseball, it's always like Oklahoma, Oklahoma State, Kentucky, Vandy, um, Texas is always up there, UCLA, USC. But it, it, anyway, that's that's a little bit different when you get into the major league side of it. Um, and this is one of the things I always thought. That, that bugs the shit out of me, right? So we're talking about a Major League Baseball lockout. Well, the lockout is between the Major League Baseball or the Major League Players Association. Um, the, the collective bargaining agreement affects the Major League Player Association. 
Um, the it does not affect minor teams. Um, and I don't think most people know that. Um, so you're when they when they go into these collective bargaining agreements, it basically talks about, hey, what's the minimum pay going to be? Um, what is they're reestablishing some some of the relationship? Yeah, but they're only doing it for Major League Baseball players. And when I say Major League Baseball players, you have to play X amount of games for a Major League team in a season as to be considered part of the Major League Baseball. Um, so let's... That was a big disappointment. And, and for our listeners, as a reminder, we uncovered that if you play baseball professionally, the only way that you are allocated a spot in their union is if, to JM's point, you play for the MLB. So you can't be a AAA ball player. And I don't know what a AAA ball player makes minimum. Got it pulled it's up right definitely now. definitely not. Sorry? I got it pulled up right now. I was about to talk what's about a, that. What's the minimum? So uh, AAA. So for everybody who's not familiar with baseball terms, or with the, how the baseball minor league structure is played, um, you have five levels. It's like uh, a fancy pyramid scheme, except you're not recruiting people under you. You're just trying to be better than the guy to your left and your right. Yeah. So you have five levels. So you have low A and high A, and they're not even talked about in here. And then you have single A, double A, triple A. After triple A, you go to the show. That's the major league. That's the majors. You're in the show. You made it, right? Um, what a lot of people don't understand is you get drafted. So unlike so uh, unlike Major League uh, Football or uh, NFL, unlike professional football, unlike professional uh, uh, basketball, right? Because these are the big sports, sports that people are as worried about getting drafted in. Major League Baseball functions the same as uh, uh, national professional hockey does. When you get drafted, there is a very, very low chance that when they say, hey, Aaron Chavez was drafted the 210th pick of the 15th round by the Seattle Mariners, he's not going to play for the Seattle Mariners. There's a very good chance he's not even going to play for the Tacoma Rainiers. There is a very good chance that he's going to play for a double A affiliate or a single A affiliate somewhere. But they fall in the Mariners organization, so he gets to say that he was drafted by the Mariners. If Aaron, our good buddy here, who we know is just the prime example of athletic prowess and coordination and sophistication and grace, is unlucky enough to get drafted on a single A scholarship. Aaron is going to make $500 a week. But Aaron, don't worry. You're a professional baseball player. You signed for $500 a week. That is your minimum salary. Can I caveat that? Or can I sidebar you? Good. Old Grandpa Chuck asked me when I was a teenager, what's it mean to be a professional musician? I said, well, Grandpa, I don't know. He said, 
the first time you got paid or or when you get paid i got paid to play gigs i got paid in cash i got paid in beer um i think i even got paid in cocaine but at some point i got played to pay play music so um you know getting 500 dollars a week uh, doesn't sound so bad but keep going yeah um yeah Five hundred dollars a week. Quick math says that's twenty four hundred or twenty four thousand dollars a year. Okay. Uh, if Aaron was lucky enough to play for a double A team, who's y'all's double? Do you know who your double A affiliate is for the Mariners? Yeah, it's um the Marysville or the Eva Everett. Aqua Sox. Okay. He's playing for the Aqua Sox. If it's me, I'm playing for the Frisco Rough Riders up there in Dallas. Uh, I'm making $600 a week. So uh, now I'm making $25,200 before taxes. Um, And, man, if we were just that good that we got drafted AAA, got drafted because there are, I mean, there are very few LeBron Jameses in Major League Baseball that go from high school to the, to the professionals immediately unless – like Bryce Harper is one of the few examples I can think of that would just like went straight into the show. Um, seven hundred dollars to go play for the Rainiers, or the seven hundred dollars a week to go play for the Rainiers or the uh, Round Rock Express if you're a Rangers fan. Uh, what does that look like? So this is minimum pay. This is hey, you were good enough to get here. We don't know if you're going to go any further. You are so there is a scale for skill, yeah, but there is a minimum. This is okay. minimum pay. Um, but baseball is like the hardest sport I've ever even pretended to try to play. Like football, as long as you have some accuracy and you don't mind getting beat up, like you can play football for a little while. Soccer, yep, is cardio heavy, but you know, handling a Man, it's been 20 years, but handling a soccer ball really wasn't that big of a deal. Baseball, to me, is the hardest sport I've ever tried to play. Like, next to golf, you know, where you have to, like, all in the hips, like Chubb says. You know what I mean? Yep. Like, fuck, dude. Like, I, I, there's nothing in the hips. There, There's nothing about this white guy that can dance. So, yeah, this is – and this is where it gets really – this is where the this is the difference for all of your friends who say uh, not your friends but for any of our listeners all of their friends who say unions are bad and liberal agenda and socialist and communist and free market. Remember that I just said that AAA ball players make a minimum salary of seven hundred dollars a week, uh, seven hundred dollars a week. So five hundred dollars a week times fifty two is twenty six thousand dollars a year. Add two hundred dollars a week times fifty-two to what am I adding to that? A thousand four hundred dollars. Is that right? No. What? What? Is, I, hold on a second, buddy. You're asking me to do combat math after I've been drinking. Sit tight. I'm, let me pull out a calculator. I'm I'm doing the calculator right now. Uh, gotcha. seven hundred times fifty-two. All right, thirty-six thousand four hundred dollars. I should have backed you up on that one. That's right. Thirty-six thousand four hundred dollars. So minimum salary, $36,400 to play for the Tacoma Rainiers. Next year, so and generally when we talk like, and this is where it gets screwy, right? Because they signed Aaron to a 
They signed Aaron to a five-year contract as a double-A player. Um, he made it all the way up to triple-A. Cool. Uh, it took him four years to do that. It took him three years to do that. And after his after his third year, he has two more years left on his contract, and they call him up to the show. Well, now, after X amount of games, he's considered a professional player, which means he has to get professional minimum salary. It's kind of weird the way these things work, but after X amount of games, you're considered a professional, which means you have to make professional salary. We just said playing for the Rainiers, Aaron made $36,400. Aaron, what do you make as, well, this is what the argument was going on this year. So what do you think your minimum salary is in the major leagues? It's probably like $300,000. Major league, pl- uh, the starting minimum. I know they got a raise. MLB offered to increase the starting minimum salary for first-year players from its initial proposal to 615000 the players are looking for a minimum seven hundred fifteen thousand. Don't ever say unions don't work, people. In one year, Aaron went from thirty six thousand four hundred dollars to potentially seven hundred fifteen thousand dollars because of a union, because somebody was looking out for him. Hmm. I don't know, man. Um, the night that uh. The United States shut down for the COVID thing. I got off work, walked up the bar, went to the bar down the street to go meet up with my other bartender buddies. <clears throat> and we were all get in there getting hammered. And one of the things that I started talking very loudly about was why the service industry isn't unionized. Over the years, I've heard a lot of people talk about how working in the food and beverage service industry is a profession. And at first, I didn't really recognize it like that. I could recognize that distillers and brewers and chefs should be afforded that kind of like professional courtesy. But it wasn't... It, it didn't occur to me that serving tables and tending bar are just as hard, if not harder, in their own right. Um, and I think that unionizing the uh, service industry would be very beneficial. I, I'd love to talk to more career service folk about stuff like that because I'm I'm curious what their take on it is. I'd love to take away the idea of tips. Cash tips are great, but you know when you look at your income, your taxable income for a year, and you you say I made seventeen thousand dollars in taxable income before cash gets involved. You know, I I think there's a problem. Like I would like the feds to be less involved with how much of my money they get to take away arbitrarily without my without my saying so. Um. Sound some you sound like some Republican friends I have. Is that I mean like, hey man, you know when you look at your your paycheck on paper and you see what shows up in your checking account, it makes me a little upset. 
and I think that's fair for anybody in my pay bracket. Yeah, I do agree that there is there is some the tax disparities. Um, it needs to be more of a sliding scale, not a step scale. Yeah, I'd agree. I think there's. Well, I don't even know what that means. I don't. I don't even know what that means. I think there is. What I'm saying is, is like what I'm saying. I want more money. What I'm saying is that I, I think there is a disparity of. Well, one, there needs to be factors involved. Um, Aaron's, your fifty thousand dollars a year in the Seattle Tacoma area is worth a whole lot less than my fifty thousand dollars a year in Fayetteville, North Carolina. Um, and for us to get taxed at the same, what are, what are the current tax brackets? Um, what are our current tax brackets? So for us to let's let's make this a little weirder. Uh, let's say that. So I'm a I'm a federal employee. So everybody can look at my salary. Like salary with compensation, I'm at. I don't get taxed on compensation, so that's not fair. So my taxable income is $48,000 a year. Um, but, okay, perfect. So I'm taxed at 22%. So, uh, Aaron, you understand how taxable income works, right? Yeah, like how the brackets work. Because a lot of people think that, a lot of people think that if I make a million dollars a year, then I, all my million dollars is, excuse me, excuse me, oh, I had a sneeze. Uh, a, a lot of people think that if I make a million dollars a year, so the upper tax bracket is 37%. If I make a million dollars a year, I'm losing $370,000 of that, and that's simply not true. Uh, it's a step tax bracket. So um, 10%, I lose 10% of all my income between $0 and 9950 Uh 12th, so they're doing, so our tax bracket that Aaron and I are in are the third tax bracket, $40,526 to $86,375 because we both make the same fifty grand a year. So we have to pay $4,664 in tax because we have to pay the combined tax of the lower two tax brackets plus whatever we make over $40,526. However, the person that's making $40,526 a year is living a vastly different life than the person making $86,375 a year, and that's the same bracket. That is, that's the same bracket. Um, that being said... The next bracket up is eighty six thousand and change to one hundred and sixty four and change. That is a huge gap. The brackets after that don't matter because at that point you're living comfortably. Um, if you're in the right state, however, that hundred the fifth bracket is one hundred sixty four. It's just shy of one hundred sixty five thousand. We're talking it's seventy four dollars shy of one hundred sixty five thousand. Uh, that's not going very far in Los Angeles. It kind of makes you wonder what direction the country goes to as the hybrid schedule gets adopted more or the work-from-home schedule gets adopted. Um, I have conversations conversations with my director about it sometimes, 
and he's making huge accommodations for me to work hybrid um, because I'm in Tacoma and the office is in Seattle. And, and, you know, there's there's a 30-mile difference. And for better or for worse, Seattle is just where the jobs are. Um, so you go to where the work is. People that live in the country but have to commute to little metros, they have to make the commute period. Um, and I think of living in places like Fulton, Mississippi, and commuting to Tupelo or commuting to Oxford, uh, where Ole Miss was, to, to go to school or to go to work because the cost of living in the cities can be so astronomical, but living in the rural areas um, can be so wildly affordable. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know I what it looks like outside of the the Seattle Tacoma area. Well, I mean, a I'm lot of this how is how it all plays out. A lot of this is driven by. A lot of this is because we kind of went from the MLB lockout to real world um, unions. Well, what's it? How does it play out? You know, in in in, in you know in practical terms. Well, and that's that's kind of what I'm getting at. So one of we the, could talk about the MLB and the MLB for me and you is is a form of entertainment. Well, but it has hobby. it has it's very much the same. You know, you have the anti-work and the walkout movement that's happening, and, and it rightfully so. It should. Um, but one of the favorite, one of my favorite people that I bring up all the time on this podcast, and I think collectively one of our favorite people on the podcast is Dan Price. Um, he's up there in Seattle, right? He's the CEO of Gravity Payments, and he's on record talking about how he has grown his company by slashing his pay as a CEO and raising minimum pay for employees. Um, yeah, so I mean, he talks about one of the things that he did was uh, he slashed his own salary by a million dollars and he was able to raise minimum employment or minimum salary for all of his employees to 70 grand a year. I don't know what 70 grand a year looks like in Seattle honestly, is that it's probably on the lower end, right? Of livable? Yeah, it sure is. Um, they're not living... On the lower end. They're not living well, but they're living, right? They're not getting Starbucks every day, but they can get Starbucks once a week, maybe twice a week, right? On 70 grand? Yeah, I think so. I, that... The, those numbers check out. I mean, so and that's that's kind of what I guess with the MLB lockout. And I see that comparison of just fighting for a livable wage, um, and I see that right now with kind of what you were bringing up. I don't know how we. I, I like how we got here because we would talk about just Good News Week to actually like having a conversation to say. Um, but I see so much. I see so much shit on like just pictures and little infographics and stuff and then like little Twitter comments and it's stuff like um, employment saying that we can't afford to give y'all you know we can't afford to give y'all a raise here's a pizza party and then the next day they come out to the Wall Street Journal and say hey we're posting record profits so but we all know where those profits are going the profits are going to the person up at the very top 
because we're practicing trickle down economics, right? So the person at the top just trickles down that 1% to everybody and everybody gets 1% better. But 1% of a billion dollars is a lot more than 1% of $40,000. Uh, I, I think it's, I don't know how we got here, but I'm glad we did. Yeah, me too. Um, I'm excited that the MLB's kicking things off. Schedule as normal, spring training, resuming. I figured that would be something that would be resolved sooner rather than later. Um, I'd already written off the I season, do, I honestly. Have, I have no trepidation or anxiety about the the MLB seeing to their players, or rather their, their union taking care of the players. My my hesitancy about this collective bargaining agreement leaves out the AAA ball players, but I guess if you want to be an elite level professional, you have to kind of fit the bill. And but, and some, but it's a very good. You know, I remember watching the movie Moneyball, and and what stuck out about that movie, and it's so emblematic for so many things that I've attempted to do, is. Many are called, few are chosen. Yeah. It's very, uh, this is a very good, like like I said earlier, for anybody who, for anybody who calls you a dumb liberal for having thoughts on a union, I mean, truly look at, look at the major, look at Major League Baseball and look at what union has done. Um, because it's very important to remember that the owner of, the owner of um, the Seattle Mariners is not the owner of the Tacoma Rainiers, is not the owner of the Aqua Sox. There are owners at every single level. The differences between the low A, high A, single, double, and triple A and the Major League Baseball is $700,000 a year. Uh, we'll call it, we'll be generous and say six hundred. I forget it hasn't been ratified yet, so we don't know what the new minimum salary is. But there is a difference between playing for the Seattle Mariners and being drafted by the Seattle Mariners. <laughs> There's a difference. This is not. I don't know how better to explain it than when these guys are fighting for their positions. They're fighting for their positions as Major League Baseball players. They're not fighting for their positions of the AAA or minor league teams that you have sitting in your hometown. And that's because the union worked. They gained enough position to fight against greedy overlords and said, no, 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 no. You are making billions of dollars off of our backs. We will get a share of that. Uh, same thing, actually, it's a uh, United States women's national team. It's what Megan Rapinoe has been fighting for, for years. Hey, we have back-to-back, we have back-to-back World Cup wins. Uh, we're still making 50 grand a year. How come those dickheads over there who barely qualified are making millions? Yeah, a bunch of bros in the locker room. With their locker room talk. Yeah, I get it. Unions Man. are fun. Uh, look, I, I don't think the conversation really lends itself to, towards um, 
you know your your conservative or your your liberal friends saying one thing or another unless that's something that happens in your sphere of influence around here um the consensus that I've come up with or the consensus that I've gathered is the union has been a good thing um it's it's very beneficial for the worker and there's a lot of room for movement upward so plenty of room for growth and you come in with competitive wages if i had kids i'd absolutely steer them towards trades in uh in the union so um you know one man's opinion that doesn't have kids and (laughs) also isn't a part of a union subsequently uh wish i was yeah well um, man, it was a good conversation. Kind of. Hell yeah. Yeah, it's Kinda about time. time point. Yeah, it's about right. Uh, what do you got for the end of the night? Uh, ISIS had another leader killed by U.S. forces in Syria. Um, Eight generals that was fired by Putin. Oh, yeah. That's nice. Uh, the Shackleton endurance thing. And then, you know, inflation and the world's getting hotter and global temperature climate change or whatever uh you know the usual good picks for the end of the week when you're tired and angry and but we got baseball we got baseball back so it's gonna be we got baseball back (laughs) you're damn right and then you know obi-wan kenobi hello there in may so the shining light at the end of the tunnel um when we're done with the podcast, we should sync up our schedules to make sure that we have coverage for future efforts, episodes, episodes, breast, 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 breast teacher of the year. Yeah. We're going to get our, we don't going to get our episodes all figured out. God bless you, Cody. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, all right. Well, if that's it, uh, do you want to take another crack at socials? You want me to do it? Oh, God, no. I, I'm not feeling drunk enough or brave enough post-funeral. <laughs> oh. <laughs> I feel, call it what it was. I was having fun that day. That was I, good. I really was. It was good. Yeah, I, mean, you did a good, it, I just do it so fast, and I, you got to remember, I've been doing this for, what, we're on season three of Drunk Week in Review, which means we're on season five of doing a podcast. Is that right? I've been doing this podcast since 2019. Holy shit. Is that right? 2019? Wait, hold on a second. Yeah. So I'm on season three of this. So 2020, 2021, 20. I'm on season four. There you go. Four years of doing this shit. Holy shit. All right. Whatever. Uh, thank you for listening to this episode. If you want to reach out and contact us, you can find us on drunkweekinreview at gmail.com for the old school listeners. Find us on Pretty Little Loggers at gmail.com. We are DWIR Podcast on Twitter. You can find us at Drunk Week in Review on the gram or hit us up on facebook.com slash drunkweekinreview. We barely pay attention to anything other than Instagram and the email. If you get an email, I'll have a little thing, or if you do email us, I'll have a little... Uh, emblem pop up on my phone and my phone will vibrate and I'll say hey somebody wanted to reach out to you at drunkweekinreview at gmail.com and I'll be like oh my god somebody used it and then I'll see it's spam and I'll probably just delete it anyways Uh, give a shout out to our buddy Mosin uh, for doing the intro and the outro music Uh, somebody else somebody else somebody else somebody else 
I think that was all that we were given. Oh, oh yeah, Truth and Tragedy. Again, I'm giving another free week a shout-out to my buddies Truth and Tragedy. Uh, they're about to head out on that little invite festival, so that's going to be super cool. And then, once again, Carlos Malloy, you suck at video games. Go play Jenga. Uh, Aaron, what do you got? Thank you, and we love you. <laughs> <laughs>